Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. Today we're going to be talking about family and parenting, and uh, I obviously am I am not an expert, so I had to get someone to partner with me to share this message with you who is something like an expert. Now, the thing is, I just so happen to live with this expert, okay? And so, without further ado, please give a really crazy shout-out to the in-house expert and my wife, Mrs. Erica Santiago. I wouldn't say I'm an expert. Are you on, honey? Let's see. It's uh, the lights on. Oh, I'm on now. There you go. Thank you. Shout out to our sound people today. Give it up for Jasmine and my man Greg doing excellent work today. So, um, test of my parenting skills. I took the pager with me from the kids ministry today. Hopefully it doesn't go off. They know which one is assigned to my children. (laughs) I think they'll be okay. I don't know. Sydney was screaming when I left. Um, So let me give the disclaimer before we get into this. That we're not experts? That we're not experts. We are not. And our oldest child is only 12? Is only 12. That's right. And so here's the the truth. None of us are experts. It's a work in progress. But what we like to share is some things that we do at our house to kind of build a solid foundation for raising our kids so that we'll feel confident in releasing them into the world and know that they have some godly foundational principles to follow, right? Yep. And so we're going to share with you some of the things we've done. We're going to talk a little bit about our life and how we grew up a little bit. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about uh, our family structure. Some of you who know it, some of you don't. We'll share all of that stuff so you get in our business yet again. Some of y'all are still in our business from the marriage part of this series. And so uh, we'll do that. My wife, I'm going to let you start it if that's okay. No? Okay. Oh, you weren't prepared no. for that. Look um, at that. I caught you off guard. Okay. If you're taking notes, there'll be some notes there for you to take. So if you need a pen, just raise your hand. Uh, one of our ushers will be, be glad to get you one. One of our ushers needs a pen. No, just <laughs> <laughs> um, so, baby, tell them a little bit about our family structure. Tell okay, them a little bit about our family our... structure is we're a blended family. Uh, as many of you know, um, We've been married almost 10 years. Jakai is 12. Uh, that means when I said I do, I also said uh, I'm now a mom. And so uh, we have uh, Jakai, who's 12. Then we have Brooke and Broderick, who are 7 and 6. Um, that was a fun few years, <laughs> um, like having twins the hard way. Um, and uh, then we have uh, Sydney, who is 2. And let's see, I come from uh, my family background, my immediate family. My uh, parents have been married for 40 years. I have a younger brother and younger sister. My sister is eight years younger than me. My brother is four years younger than me, or three years younger, I forget. And uh, so I'm the oldest child and uh, two girls and a boy. Now, my family situation is a lot different. So when people ask me how many siblings you have, I hate that question because I have to go, well, from my dad and then from my mom, it's like really blended in that way, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I, it's really tough for me, but I just say this. Altogether, I have two brothers and three sisters altogether. That's right. Why are you looking? I'm counting in my head. I know. Listen, okay. I, I don't even have to think about it. I know my siblings. And out okay. of all of them, I am the oldest. My parents were never married. They were teenagers. Uh, my dad was a senior in high school. My mother had just left high school. And so uh, I, I happened that way in a courtship, if you will. And so uh, that's my structure. So we are, we're all spread across. I don't believe in the, the term half-brother, half-sibling. They're not half of anything. They're my whole. I don't care if we don't have the same dad or the same mom. They are my whole sibling. So I don't do that. 
And, and uh, you guys know, those of you who knows, I, um, I refer to Jakai as my bonus son. Um, most of the time, just my son. But uh, if someone starts doing the math in her head, they ask how long we've been married. I'm like, well, he's my bonus son. You know, you yeah, we don't moving. use the word step. Right. I think all of those terms, and half sibling, step, they're, they're negative. They don't, it's, not, it's not affirming. So we don't use those words. Mm-hmm. So that's my family. We're right. all mixed up. I'm yep. black and Puerto Rican. I'm black. And, right, but she looks more Puerto Rican. So when she, with her surname, they just start speaking Spanish to her immediately because uh, she looks more Latina. Yes. All right. Anyway, so that's our, our stuff. So we're a blended family personally, meaning that my oldest son is from a previous relationship. But we blended our families when we got married. Right. So in blending our families, because technically all of us are from a blended family. Mm-hmm. When your parents got together, got married, whatever, they brought in some beliefs and some systems and some traditions from that side of the family and vice versa from the other side. So all of us are technically blended. What we want to talk about today is how we blended these families but then customized something for our own personal family, right? Yes. Okay. Um, And it's okay. One of the things, one of the points that we want to also make sure we drive home is that whatever decisions you make as a parent uh, with your family, stick by your decisions. And then stick by your decision to make changes to your decisions. You know, it doesn't make you flaky if you change your mind. If something's not working, then change up, do something different. Um, And uh, treating each child as an individual, because remember, it's uh, from biology class, we are all made up of uh, different sets of genes, and you may have more genes like your mom or more like your dad, or you may have genes like uh, your Uncle Fred or uh, Aunt Winnie or somebody. It just, you don't know what your kid is going to come out like, and so you're taking all of that into consideration when you are, uh, are parenting with your children. So. That's right. So what we're going to do is I want to present a couple of really important questions, and I want you to think, even if you don't have a family right now, if you're not married and, you're not, and you don't have children yet or if you're married, whatever the case may be, everybody in here want, at some point wants a family of some sort, right? And or so, you will be a voice into a child's life. Right. So the question, and this is going to cause you to think a little bit, mm-hmm. I want you to think about what informs your decisions on how you raise your family. What informs it? The Bible, culture, your parents, uh, your peers, what informs your decisions on how you raise your family? There's no right or wrong answer there. Mm-hmm. Uh, in many cases, especially in America, uh, it's all of the above. If you're Christian, if you're not Christian, obviously culture informs how you raise your family. Uh, there's a saying called keeping up with the Joneses. And that, some of that stuff informs how we raise our family. I want my kid to go to the best school in the county. I want my kid, and if they don't have the best public school, I want them to go to the best private school in the county. Uh, I want my kids to, 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 to be on the best soccer, basketball, football team. You know, because my peers are, are informing the decisions on how I raise my children. So you have your own answers. And as you think about it, as you're starting a family or planning a family someday, what informs your decisions on how you raise your family. And if you're thinking about it, in the Bible, uh, the very first family, Adam and Eve, they had two sons. And what did their sons do? <laughs> um, their, uh, one of their sons killed the other son. And, you know, that's the first, you know, instance of murder in the Bible. But as a parent, that's so relieving to me. It's like, you know, if I can do better than Eve... I am rocking this. I am knocking it out the park. If my boys don't kill each other, I am doing great. Something's going good. It gets scary sometimes. But it, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. But the thing is, is that we, we, when we look at families in the Bible, there is no t- mom, dad, two kids, and a dog. It, it just doesn't happen. In the Bible throughout the Old Testament, it's, uh, you've got uh, Cain and Abel, then you have Joseph, uh, and his brothers throw him in a pit and sell him into slavery. And, you know, he gets, his, gets raised up eventually. But there are so many different things that happen to folks in the Bible and the Old Testament that we cover in children's church with the kids all the time. It's a different story, and it's always a family thing. In the New Testament, we have the prodigal son, um, and he and his brother are, are clashing because of uh, a jealousy or in, and all of that. And then you have uh, Jesus's family. Jesus is the ultimate example of a blended family because he was raised by Joseph, who's technically his stepdad, sort of. And then you have 
his other siblings that we don't really hear anything about. And I always look at it this way, that the Bible, if they don't mention it, probably was just a mundane thing. They usually just mention the spectacular stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you think about how, uh, what Jesus got from his dad, his uh, bonus dad, if you will, and he learned a skill set. He learned to be a carpenter, and that's what he did for his job before he started his ministry. And so we have to think about all of those times that we have an opportunity to pour into children, whether they're ours or someone else's, uh, it, through these great examples that we have in the Bible. And then when we think of culture, um, some of you were at our house last summer when we were getting ready to launch this ministry. <laughs> And I had a frame hanging on the wall that I had not put pictures in yet. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So a few of the teens asked, "Um, Miss Erica, you know, is that your family? Who are the people in the pictures? None of them look like us. They were stock photos, you know, the pictures that come with the frame. And so they just figured I had it on the wall, which I had it there because I was trying to visualize what pictures I wanted in the frame. I just hadn't put pictures in. So anyway, the stock photo family. So we have this perception of what we think our family is supposed to look like because we want the family that's in the frame when really that family doesn't exist. Um, So we have these various perceptions, as Broderick said, keeping up with the Joneses. Um, We're uh, thinking of uh, how uh, someone else is doing things. And Broderick, I see you have a Bible verse mentioned there, Romans 12 too. Do Do I? um, Okay, maybe not. This is what happens when you write your notes separately and then you blend them together and <laughs> talk it through. <laughs> um, another thing uh, that informs decisions on how we raise our families is our parents. Yes. Um, my parents inform a lot of my decisions. I think of, well, what would my mom do? What would my dad do? What did my dad or my mom say when, I was, when they were presented with the exact same situation when I was a child or with one, one of my siblings and I see them? Uh, see what they did. And a lot of us try to do or outdo our parents. A lot of us try to do the exact opposite of what our parents did. Right, right. And sometimes we don't want to throw out what they did because it worked. It was good. But we have to think about how we want to uh, raise our families. So let's tell them about the movie we watched the other day. Oh, Parental Guidance. Parental Guidance. Have anyone in here seen that movie? Oh, you got to see it. It's 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 really funny. Billy Crystal and uh, Bette Midler. And Bette Miller. Wow, just, just those two alone make fan. the movie really good. But anyway, it has everything to do with how you raise your kid. And so my wife and I were watching this movie, and we're feeling so convicted. Totally. We're these new parents that our kids can't have any sugar, but no one. We all grew up with, like, a bunch of cavities and feelings, right? Uh, yeah, true. Well, yeah, we have sugar. In our household, we have sugar days, and it's usually on weekends or birthday parties or special occasions. Um, and, you know, that's just what we've decided to do but in the movie Bette Midler and Billy Crystal uh let their grandkids have sugar and it just completely goes bonkers because the kids are sitting there going mom you said that this wasn't good that we wouldn't like it right why didn't and you so tell us we're those modern so parents we don't let them eat sugar we eat only organic and our parents are looking like I think they're, I mean, yeah, they're looking at us like at me all really time. We, we raised you on the same stuff, and so now we can't feed you. What, you know? And the whole point of the movie that me, my wife and Erica and I talked about is like we throw so much of the great wisdom that our parents imparted on us because we're so modern. We're so trying to do that, you know, like we were raised bad. And at the same time, we're insulting our parents and the great mm-hmm. job they did mm-hmm. because the truth is there's no such thing as a perfect parent, right? We're all learning. There's, no, you could, there's a bunch of books out there. But none of them may apply to how you will raise your family. Mm-hmm. And so we were watching this movie, and we were like, oh, that's us. Our kids can't do this. Our kids can't do that. Don't let them play outside for more than two hours. We don't want them to get sunburned. When the truth of the, fact, the, of the matter is, is that we used to be outside all day, mm-hmm. all day. We would come home and grab our lunch and take it back out and play with it. Actually, right? a great thing that my mom used to do in the summertime with us, because uh, for a number of years, she was a stay-at-home mom. She would write up a, create a scavenger hunt. And the scavenger hunt would be timed so that we would start after breakfast with our first clue. And we would spend the rest of the morning outside. And then the clue that would bring us back in the house in time for lunch would get us back in in time for lunch. And then send, the next clue would send us back outside all over the place. Now, I imagine that took a tremendous amount of planning and work on her part. Um, I don't know that I'm necessarily up for all that, but it, 
was great and we didn't know the difference we just thought this was fun this was normal um like growing up in the projects it was like get out the house and don't you come back <laughs> get out if you come if you keep coming in and out you're gonna stay in huh <laughs> look at how many people didn't see we didn't have you know they didn't write the little anyway but anyway. differences you know now so see, you know, this is our blend that's now the you blend. see our blend <laughs> <laughs> totally different you know you very go outside, different you stay um, out Come back before the street lights on. There you go. And you see everybody running as the first light, because you know if you get a couple light, they don't all come on at the same time. You get a couple, and you know the one that's gonna come on first. When that first one comes on, everybody's doom, 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 running. Now, You're trying to get it. What? I was gonna keep moving. Okay. Yeah. So um, one we, of the other things that informed our, uh, informs our decisions is the fact that we do have a blended family because now we have another adult. Yeah. Um, who has influence over one of our children. And, and it's a good influence, it's his mother. So that's a good thing, but if her parenting style and my parenting style are different, well then there are times where there's friction. Not necessarily in a negative sense, but just different perspectives on what, uh, what our oldest son should or should not do. And so one of the things that, uh, that I had to pray about when uh, we were in, uh, engaged and I was sitting there going, okay, I'm going to be a mom if I marry this guy. Um, if? I'd... All right, if. Um, <laughs> I had to decide, do I want to be a mother immediately after saying I do? I was actually, it, it, it took me a little bit, but I was okay with that. Once I prayed about it and thought about it and I was like, you know, God has presented this child in my life for a reason and a purpose and I have to look at it that way. Uh, even with ch my children that I've given birth to, they're here for a purpose and I have to figure out what that is. Um, but in a blended family situation, communication is going to be key. Remember, it, um, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. It goes God first, then your spouse, your marriage, and then your children. And as long as you make sure you communicate that to the extra parent or the other parent that's in your influencing what's going on in your household, well, then you have a better chance of things being uh, going a little bit smoother. They're not always going to go smooth. Everybody has their good days and bad days. But uh, making sure that they understand that this is what matters most, and then we're going to work on, uh, on the children. Um, There's so much we could talk about about blended families, and I think it's going to require a separate service because I would love to share some really good details with you on that. Mm -hmm. But we'll probably do that in a separate service. Here's one thing we, 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 we really live by is setting the foundation. That's the most important thing mm -hmm. for us. When we were uh, in premarital counseling, we kind of had these conversations about how we want to raise our family. And, you know, we could disagree on discipline. We could disagree on, you know, what school. We could disagree on the activities. But where we did not disagree on and we both agreed God was going to be the foundation on how we raise our kids. We wanted God-fearing kids. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7, if you uh, have the notes, says this. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Here's the part where we got to catch it. Repeat them again and again. And I'm going to add one more. And again, to your children, talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Do you know we take this literally? When we're on road trips, we're singing like uh, Bible stuff, the B-I-B-L-E. We sing that type of stuff on the road. I know it's corny, but I tell you what, my kids know the Bible. Okay? My kids know where the foundation is. We sing those cheesy songs that I never heard until my wife introduced them to me. Yes, I had no church history. But I was a PK. She's so. a PK. But we Preacher's sing kid. those songs. We do the Bible challenge. We, 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 we have conversation with our kids, uplifting and affirming conversation. We take this literally. We talk about the Bible. You cannot go to bed in our house without reading the Bible first. Read the Bible. Also read a book. You got to read a book and you got to read a Bible. We don't do scripture memory yet, but they kind of know scripture now. Well, it, and the thing is, is before you go too far on that, it, it's not always consistent. It's fairly consistent. But, you know, there are going to be nights like uh, last night because we were out and they had a babysitter and we got home. It was like, no, really, go to bed. No, that's it. Just go. Go get in your bed. We got to get up early, church in the morning. But the idea is that 
to the extent that a week doesn't go by where they're not reading from their children's Bible, so they learn the stories. Um, we've, uh, in the past, uh, when I've worked in children's ministry, we actually would have some of our volunteers who were young adults who didn't grow up going to church, and they would come to children's ministry to learn the Bible stories that the minister would talk about on Sunday because they're sitting there going, yeah, sometimes I'm lost, and I realize that everybody doesn't know all the different Bible stories. It's not really covered in school, so it, it really is a Sunday school thing. So making that information available to the children, um, we let the kids watch um, some of, because I have to preview the children's ministry videos ahead of time, so my kids watch them with me, and if they don't respond well to it, then I look at it and go, well, maybe other kids might not respond well to that. Maybe we won't do that, um, do that activity. So the great thing about it now is that there are so many creative people out there. They have Bibles now, which we're going to get my 12-year-old, mm-hmm. where the, the biblical characters are made to be heroes. I mean, capes, and they're like superheroes. It's the like, guy that does the comic books, like DC Comics type. Right. The, it's like there's the adventure no... Bible. Yeah, you, you can now have it where it, it's speaking to the children on their level. Mm-hmm. This is why, also, if I may, just real quick, this is why... You know, many people will say, man, you don't, you know, why have a kid's service? Why separate them? Some people will even say, and this is a parented thing, why, why do y'all have a separate one? When we were kids, we sat in there. Children's ministry was a peppermint and a thump if we went to sleep. And I'm saying, what did they learn, though? I, would, I, I think it's so important to have a separate environment where they're learning about God and godly principles in their language with their peers the same way they learn in school. It's this, why, why change that? Like during the week they're learning in school, then they come and have to sit, be forced to sit in an adult environment and really miss the foundational stuff. Why not put them in an environment with their peers, speaking their language, having fun, and learning uh, uh, Bible, uh, princi- biblical principles and stuff mm-hmm. like that? That's why this is so, so important to me to have that. Anyway, we've kind of got off track. Let's, let's, let's move on here. Um, 1 Thessalonians uh, 2, 11, verses 11 and 12, I want to share this with you, and then I want to share three core values of parenting. I'm going to take those three core values right out of this scripture. It says this, and you know that we were tre- that we treated each of you as father as a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. Now I just want to fix this. Paul is not trying to give them parenting advice. He's not. What he's doing right now to the, the to the church in Thessalonica is explaining to them the type of leader that he is. And what he's saying is I treated, we treated you all like a father would treat his children. We, we encouraged you. We loved on you. We, we, we chastised you where we needed to, just the way a father does. And what I, what I take from this is, is that as parents, we can, we, can learn, we can raise our children with these three core values right from this scripture. The first one that I want to share that comes right from the scripture is to honor our children. I think a lot of times we spend so much time disciplining, directing them, course correcting them, uh, you know, just just not praising them and honoring them enough. Do y'all know we have smart kids now that have access to the Internet? They could actually reason with you and make sense. You know, back in the day, it was like, do what I say, not what I do. And that was the end. But nowadays, I mean, even back then we were smart. But, you know, if you spoke back, you got smacked, right? Okay. I'm convinced I'm not nearly as smart as our kids. Our kids are smarter now. They're just, in, my daughter Sydney's two years old, and she, she stepped up from the iPad to the computer now. Mm-hmm. She, like, goes on the computer. But the bottom line is, how do we honor them? They have a voice. Let them use it, right? And if, it's, if, if what they're saying is not in line with your, your family structure or what your belief system is, then, then you correct them. But give them the opportunity to speak up. They have a voice. Let them use it. You won't believe, it's amazing that Junior is the one I, I have to reason with the most. He just, he's, ha- he's very inquisitive. Brooke will just take it as it is. Like, Brooke, don't do that. Okay, Daddy. Junior, don't do that. But why? Because I said so. But why did you say so? And so I get frustrated because I'm a daddy and I don't have patience. My wife comes in and saves the day and says, you know, explains why he can't do it. She explains you could get hurt. Um, that action you're doing is not how, what we do in this house. It's not how we live 
in this house. You know, we, you can't do that for these reasons. And after she's explained it, he's cool with it. But he, he just doesn't come to me for that. So we have to honor them, praise them. You know, I know they do a lot of bad things, but praise all of the good things. Celebrate them. So first uh, principle is honor our children. The second principle is encouragement. The second principle is encouragement. I just can't. I remember growing up, and, and I got so much encouragement from my dad. It was like, it's like I didn't live with my dad. He lived about seven hours away, but... I mean, he would send cards when I was beat down or when I got a bad grade. And I was like, Dad, I really tried, man. I bust my butt. And he'd be like, it's okay, son. You know, I'm like, I studied like two hours longer than normal, and I didn't do it. He says, it's okay. Keep trying. Keep shooting. Keep going. Just keep pushing. Give it your best. If you've given it your best and that's your best, good job. A 50 ain't your best. <laughs> but if you've given it your best and all you could pull was about an 82, good job. Give it your best. Always encourage me. Keep on doing it. The other one, the final one I want to share with you is a very important core value. So the first one is honor. The second one is encouragement. The third one is discipline. Discipline. Now, when we say discipline, I'm not talking about that brother. I'm not talking about him, so I hope he's not listening to my podcast. I'm not talking about that brother that whoop his kids in church, that pastor that has everybody bring their kids up to the altar and let's, let's have a whooping series. No, I'm not talking about that. Y'all seen the news. I, I know his name. I'm not going to even say it, but I'm not talking about that discipline. Let's look at the word discipline. If we look at the word discipline, right in the middle of the entire word is a word called disciple. Mm-hmm. Disciple, if you look at it, did y'all see Jesus whoop his disciples? He didn't whoop them. He didn't chastise them. He didn't put them in time out. He told them about himself, about himself. The word discipline in itself, it, it, it means to, to guide and correct their decisions. Discipline doesn't mean necessarily to spank. Doesn't mean to put them in time out. It doesn't mean to take away uh, the Nintendo Wii or whatever the popular games are. It means to guide and correct the decisions that they make. That is a form of discipleship. They are learning certain behaviors from you as the parent. So we must honor our children, encourage them, and certainly discipline them. Course, correct them if necessary. As a matter of fact, Proverbs 29, 17 says this, Discipline your children, and they will give you peace of mind, and, you will make, and it will make your heart glad. If I correct them, they're following the rules. One of the things my godfather used to say as a kid when I didn't listen, and I got out of line, he says, you're going to dance by my music. And I just never got that because he never played any music. <laughs> and, you know, he says, you're going to dance by my music. What does that mean? What, what the, I got it now once he applied the strap to that. I was dancing when he added the strap to that saying. Anyway. Discipline your children, and they will give you peace of mind. Correct them. Guide them. Train their thinking. Train them, and they will give you peace of mind. What that means is they're going to mess up. They're not going to always listen. They're going to trip up. They're going to leave messy clothes. They're not going to do the dishes or do their chores. They're going to come in late. But they always have that foundational stuff that you've set up for them that they're going to always return to. It's there no matter what. Whatever it is, it's going it's to always be there. I look back and say, I never knew how to pray, right? And, and how I learned to pray was listening to my father say grace. That man could say a grace like he was doing a sermon, and I wasn't even Christian. But he would say grace, and I'd be like, man, my pops is deep. That was powerful, the way he put that word with that word and somehow added God and Jesus in it. I felt that the food was really blessed, and that's how I learned to pray because he's the only voice that I heard praying. Amen? So... Proverbs 29, 17 tells us how to do it. As a matter of fact, if we understand Proverbs 13, 24, it says this. If you don't discipline your kids, this is what it says. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. If you don't discipline your child and guide them and train them and give them course correction, the Bible says you hate them. Like those kids you see running around in the store. And you want to take off your belt and give it to the mother. And then when they don't do nothing about it, you want to say, you know what? How about I just do it? How about I handle this for you? Want me to take them to the bathroom? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, it's, and, and, and you wonder, or these kids that just, just totally disrespect their parents. 
cussing in front of adults. You know, I, I get the yes ma'am, no ma'am thing. Even up north we said yes ma'am and no ma'am. Even in the north we said it. We were trained to say that. Or never call somebody by the, an adult by their first name. You're always Mr. or Mrs. And I don't know how many aunties and uncles I got because they were just close with my mom and dad. That's uncle such and such. No relation, but you just, they have a title. They didn't have first name. I will pop my kids in the head if they call one of y'all by the first name. Seriously. Hey, Dorothy. <laughs> Discipline. Correct them. All right? And those who don't do it, they say that you hate your children. Second question I want you to answer, and then we go, we're moving on. Mm-hmm. What will your family look like 10 to 20 years from now? Begin to think about that. What will your family look like 10 to 20 years from now? And the idea in that question is, what are, what's your goal for your family? What are you thinking about? Uh, what do you want uh, your kids to be like? Do you want them to be exactly like you? If you do, what are you doing to model the behavior you want them to have now? Because, uh, you know, we joke often that if we had met five years earlier, we wouldn't, be, wouldn't have gotten together because we were different people. Will your children grow? They're different people at different stages. And so the stage you're at now as an individual if that's, the, if that's what you want your kids to be like, what do you think you need to do to model the behavior to get them to, uh, to that stage? What do you want them to look like? Because really, childhood is a season. Parenting is a season. We have this limited amount of time. Um, in fact, we have, we'll have more time with our kids as adults than we do right now as children. Uh, we have to set them up to be adults that we actually want to hang out with. Like, I enjoy hanging out with my parents. Um, Broderick doesn't get any of my dad's jokes, but I do. Um, <laughs> I think he's funny. I think my brother's funny, too. But, um, my, you know, I like hanging out. He, yeah, he doesn't think so. But uh, we, you know, I like hanging out with my parents. I enjoy spending time with them. There were times when I was a child, though, I would be upset with them because they had disciplined me or whatever, or I didn't agree with their tactics. But now they're cool to me. They're, it's fun hanging out with them. Broderick has a great relationship uh, with his dad. I don't think a week goes by where he doesn't quote his dad in something um, and refer to him. So one of the things I came across recently as I was getting ready for this is uh, a, the person at, uh, uh, I don't know how to describe it, a guy by the name of Reggie Joyner. He uh, has a company that creates and develops a s- curriculum for children's ministry. Right. And so we really like what his, uh, what his ministry is about. Uh, it's called uh, Orange. And one of the things that he came up with uh, recently, uh, he wrote a book called Losing Your Marbles. And the premise of the book is this. Uh, a few, several years ago in uh, his church, they, uh, the pastor talked about kind of what we're talking about today, parenting, family. And he gave the illustration with a jar of a thousand marbles. Mm-hmm. And said that, you know, you have on average about 960-something weekends with your child um, between uh, birth and graduation from high school. And so how you use that time uh, really matters. And if you have a visual, then you can keep tabs on that. And so if you take a marble out the jar each week, that reminds you that time is passing. It reminds you that if you didn't do anything with your kids this weekend because you were too busy or uh, you put work first or you put something else first, not that your kids are your entire life, but remember, it is a season. And so whatever they're doing should be building them up and uh, helping them reach where you want to see them in 10 or 20 years. So a friend of Reggie's sent him an email one day and said, Reggie, I took my last marble out the jar. I just dropped Bobby off at college. And as a parent, that, real, that story, reading that story online uh, this week really touched my heart because I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be a complete wreck when my kids leave the house. Not me. I'm like, yay, all right, let's Project go. Let me have drop your bags packed by the Adios. door. Um, but you think about it as a parent, you have that limited amount of time. So Taking I was, the key back and everything. So I, went, I really wanted to do that illustration this week for you guys. And I was in Toys R Us, Kmart, Target, Walmart, everywhere trying to get enough marbles. Couldn't buy enough marbles to make, do that illustration. And Reggie Joyner's site was sold out of the packet, prepackaged set of marbles that they're offering. So the other thing I saw on this site was an app. Uh, and it's available for Android and iPhone. It's called Legacy Marbles, Legacy Marbles. 
It's an app by Orange. And what it does is it allows you to put in your child's birth date or graduation date, and it estimates how many weekends you have. So I put in Sydney's information, and I put it on my phone. I have 775 more weekends with Sydney. She's two. And then I put in Jakai, who's 12. I only have 253 weekends. Yeah. Now, those are my two extremes. Brooke and Broderick are somewhere in the 500s in the middle there. But that's an, a, really a, a reminder. And the app is free. And the idea about the app is it reminds you, and it gives you weeks, days, hours, minutes, seconds. But it reminds you how precious that time is that we have with our kids each weekend. And it makes you be intentional about the time you spend with your child, mm-hmm. Make, making sure that, that it's really life-giving and memory. Uh, I posted on Facebook the, today a picture, if you saw my profile picture, it's me and my dad sitting on the deck in New York, me and my high-top fade. There are so many better pictures I have of my dad and I, but I chose that one because it takes me back to a time that, that, that really meant a lot to me. I was uh, a rapper back then. Yes, I did rap, believe it or not. And, and but Man it reminds me, of, yeah, I have many, I'm telling you, I do all things, but walking in New York, freestyling and my dad, I mean, we're walking just out in public. My dad is holding down the beatbox and he was killing it. He was beatboxing. I'm rapping. I'm freestyling. It also reminds me of sitting on the deck and my fa- my father always introduced new music to me, new artists and would challenge me to learn about this artist and then learn about the history and their history and all of this stuff. It reminded me of some of those great things. But I look at that and I say, well, what memories am I creating like that for my kids? And just a couple of weeks ago, we went camping and it was just, I took my oldest boy, Jakai, and he'll remember chopping wood with his bare hands with, with Mr. Brandon there. You know, we didn't have an axle. They were lifting up the trees and dropping them and making them crack in half. I mean, Hercules. But my son will remember that. He'll remember us being out in the wilderness together, taking a hike. It's setting those moments, making every uh, weekend intentional. Mm-hmm. And having that app will help you do that. You know, the Bible says in Psalms that uh, 127, 3 and 5, it says, uh, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. How do we treat gifts? Do we just beat them up or not take? We take care of them. If they're special gifts, if they're special rewards, we, we make sure we dust them off. We place them on a mantle. We, we honor them. We want everybody to see, look at this gift. Look at this reward. I even put it in the case and don't you dare go near that case. And our children are even greater than those tangible gifts. They are a gift from God. And so it's so important to us to make sure that every moment we spend with them is life-giving it's, it, it, and just really pouring something into them so that they have those uh, memories, right? Now, and the idea is that you want to have a relationship. We want to have a relationship with our children as adults. We want, to, uh, want them to want to hang out with us. And uh, many of you, I know, enjoy hanging out with your parents, um, and it's it's great to be able to, to have that relationship with them as an adult. Um, and the thing that I wanted, uh, wanted to also mention is uh, we want our kids to have a relationship with God their entire life. You know, and it starts when they're young in those teachable moments, those teachable times, and that goes until they're older. Um, one of the verses, and I don't know if we even put it in our notes, uh, train up your child in the yeah, way that they should go. The when they're, oh, it is the next verse. Uh, oh, in the New Living Translation, direct your child, children onto the right path, and when they're older, they won't leave it. It's about, you know, setting that foundation for them now so that later they'll come back to it. And that goes with their relationship with God, but also in how you're uh, discipling them as a parent uh, and finding what that purpose is in their life. And if we're intentional about the time that we spend with our children, even at dinner time or bedtime or bath time or driving uh, down the street, drop-offs to, to and from school, intentional about talking to them about their purpose in life, that God has a purpose for them in their life, and that they don't want to miss that purpose, it helps them with identifying choices right. and what those choices are going to be. Um, because as an adult, we know we've got choices. All of us have, are old enough in here to look back in a time period in our lives to go, you know, I had some choices. I didn't make great choices, but I made choices. At least I made a choice. And 
one of the things that I often talk with Brooke about right you know, now as she's seven is, well, what, you know, this is the choice that you make. These are the consequences of that choice. And right now when it doesn't matter as much, giving her the choice to make a bad decision or make a tough call, when it doesn't matter as much, when the stakes are low, that's our opportunity. And so things like, well, you know, you probably shouldn't watch that television program. Those kids are not, they're, they're, they're not um, respecting their parents. Um, and so is that how we behave in our house? You know, taking the time to observe what they're watching on television and asking them questions about what they're watching and not just hoping that they get that it's entertainment and it's not real, that that's not how you really behave. Um, and focusing on uh, the choices, the consequences of their choices, letting them fail sometimes, and then coaching them to the uh, to correction, coaching them to deal with issues, playground issues or bullying issues, helping them uh, get that done uh, in their own way and using their own voice. Broderick talked earlier about using and allowing your child to have their own voice. When it doesn't matter, when it's not that big a deal, when you can still be mom or dad or auntie and swoop in and save the day, that's the opportunity to let them keep trying so that when they're adults, and we all know these adults, where do you want to go for dinner? I don't know. <laughs> well, do you want to go back to school? I don't know. <laughs> well, do you want to go to a school in Georgia or Massachusetts? I don't know. You know, you, we all know those people who can't make a decision make and a they're decision. terribly frustrating to us. Well, they probably weren't allowed to make a decision as a child. Right. Um, right. So that's uh, something that we want to, that we try to make sure that we cover with our kids. Um, and examples of times where we, they can make their own decisions with music, whether or not they want to play with a certain toy or not. Um, and uh, for the sake of time, I'll leave out the Ken doll story. But... Um, no, we can share that real quick. And then we're going to jump right to the next section. All right. And the final section. Here's a, here's a story with the well, Ken doll since you know brought it, it up. No, no I, we can talk about the Ken doll later. I want to talk about love languages. Okay, let's talk about that. Okay. Love languages. You guys can probably guess. We have two boys and two girls what the Ken doll story is. Um, so, love languages. A few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about love, finding out what your love language is so that your spouse or your partner can talk to you in your love language and communicate with you so you can communicate with them in their love language and you can get, uh, get farther. Well, what about your children? Um, I recently purchased the five love languages for children to try to figure out what my kids' love languages are. And um, the only one I don't know yet is uh, actually juniors and Sydney's. I, I got Broderick and Ja'Kai out the way. I mean, Brooke and Ja'Kai. I think you kind of figure juniors out by default. Yeah, but I just want to double check. I don't want to assume. Um, but the idea with the love languages is speaking to your child in a way that they, they receive love from you and mm -hmm. figuring out how they're telling that. Um, one of the five love languages is receiving of gifts, is receiving gifts. And uh, one of the stories that they talk about in the book is, you know, uh, a woman traveled a lot for her job. She had to travel a whole lot. And she'd come back uh, bringing gifts all the time, something small for her two daughters. One daughter would be very excited about the gift, take the gift, put it on a shelf for display, was very happy about it, told her friends about the gift, went on and on. Oh, this is such a wonderful gift. Thank you, Mommy. The other daughter was like, oh, thanks. Okay. But wanted to hear about the trip. Where did you go? Who did you see? What did you do? What did you, you know, why uh, was your flight on time? Wanted details about how the trip went and wanted to spend that quality time mm -hmm. with the parent talking about the trip. And so one of the things you have to ask yourself, some kids don't care about gifts. I'm not a gift person. I, I don't really care that much about gifts. And I realized that some, my daughter, Brooke, loves quality time, would rather spend time with me than, we, than for me to buy her something. And so figuring out what you can do to share love with your child in a way that they're going to receive it and it'll be meaningful to them. Can they go on the website and, yes. and do the assessment? The assessment is free and it only takes about five minutes. If you Google five love languages for children, it'll take you right there and do the online assessment for each of your children. Um, do the adult one for yourself if you haven't had a chance to do it since uh, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. And it'll make family time that much more engaging It'll help you with being intentional about what matters to your kids mm -hmm. uh, on weekends and during the week uh, because we do only have a limited time. As I said before, I only have 253 more weekends with Jakai, and we don't even have them this weekend. So one of the challenges with a bl being a blended family is we don't have one of our kids every weekend. 
So that yeah. it's all the more, uh, more intentional inten yeah. uh, important for us to be intentional. Um, let's move on to number Final three. point, and we got to wrap it up here because we're really running out of time here. Yeah, they're going to run out of things it's to do in kids' so, yeah, It's so important that, that we realize that it takes a village. Everybody's heard that, right? And, and the truth is they don't know where that proverb comes from. They say it's an African proverb, and, but it, 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 and, and maybe it is. I found out that it's, it's not what we thought it was. But anyway, it takes all of us, the community, to raise our children. It's not just a single, it's a, a single family that raises their children. It takes all of us. There was a time, if you all remember, when we grew up, our generation, had we experienced that, right? Where if you did something, your neighbor knew, your auntie knew, and everybody called you or called you out on it. The whole community raised you. They, they, they disciplined you. They, they course corrected you. Well, it's gotten to a time where you can't say anything to some people's children. Don't talk to my baby like that. You ain't her father. You're not his daddy. Well, it takes all of us to raise our kids. I hope that if you see my kids out of line, that you all would discipline them. Don't put your hands on them, but discipline them. <laughs> course correct them. You know, we, we draw a line with that. Just course correct them. And I say don't put your hands on them because I don't. So don't do something I don't do. Discipline them the way that I would. If I, if I discipline them that way, then it's different. Well, actually, so, that brings us to one of the, the key uh, points about this. In, in being a community and raising uh, children in a community is giving, uh, providing other voices. And, Broderick, do you want to talk about the Craig Rochelle quote that you had enlisting the support of other voices? Yeah, it's not so much a quote as, as it is principles. Craig Rochelle says this, enlist supporting voices. But here's the most important part. Your voice is is the most important. Enlist other voices, other supporting voices in there. I remember uh, at our men's group talking about some challenges I had with Jakai, and, and, and I'm, yeah, I'm the only one in the men's group that has a child, but I got great, great, great voice and, and encouragement and wisdom from a teacher in Greg and, and from a, 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 a father who stepped in the gap in Brandon. They shared some stuff because they're on the outside looking in and they're saying, well, maybe if you do this or maybe if you do that. And so always uh, But it's not just some, people talking to you. It's other voices for your children. Right. And Greg would has done say that with, or uh, echo yeah. what you would say. And, yeah, and Greg's a great example Greg has of said that, that with uh, my son doing something. First thing he says, you want me to tell your daddy or what would your daddy say if he knew you were doing that? Because they know. So, it, so uh, enlist supporting voices. That's so important. But it's most important that it's your voice that is the most important that they hear. It's, that's the most important fact there. Let's go down here um, to uh, the okay. conclusion. Well, we, we're out of time. We're out of time. Okay. Okay. Conclusion. All of this stuff that we've talked about the past 35, 40 minutes a year mm -hmm. is, is achievable. And there's so much more. We'll share our notes. Maybe we'll put them on the website. All of these notes that we have. Uh, we'll, we'll put them on website or Facebook just so you can we'll have We'll make them. a blog post out of it because right. we've skipped over some things. <laughs> a lot of important stuff. But and here's I'll the conclusion. And I'll put the uh, app link for the app for everybody. This is how we pull all of this off. This is how we do all of it. This is how we get the community involved. This is how we, we set a foundation for our kids, right? This is how we brute, knock off, you know, brush them off when they fail. It starts one with unwavering prayer. Pray without ceasing. Always pray for your kids. If you all don't pray together, pray for them. Try to pray with them as much as possible. Your kids need to see you praying. If you want you to have praying kids, they need to see you praying. Pray with them. Pray for them. Pray together. Let them lead prayer. That's so important. Unwavering prayer. The second thing is unending patience. Oh, my God, we all need a lot more of that in our lives, right? You know, we talk about our emotional tanks being empty. My patient tank is always on E. I'm always running on fumes when it comes to patience. I just don't have it. My wife, my beautiful, darling, lovely, perfect, incredible wife has like a bunch of it. And I'm begging her like, please share. Like pour some of that into me. Like give me a, a little bit of that because I don't have it. Amen? Okay, most men don't. But it requires patience. Galatians 6 through 9 says this. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. I'll stop right there. Let's not get tired. Our kids are not going to get it right away. They're not going to do everything we want them to do the way that we want them to do it, how we want them to do it, within the timeline we want them to do it. But let's not get weary in doing that. Let's continue to pour into them and hope that at some point when they get married and they have children, they're like, Dad, remember that thing? That you did, because that was me. I was a knucklehead, and now I'm having, you know, I have children, so I call my dad, and he's like, man, I told you that. Remember when you was, like, 16, and I was like, ah, 
True, true. Touche. You got me, Pop. You got me. So unwavering prayer, unending patience. Don't get tired of, of doing it. And here's the most important part. Unconditional love. Unconditional love. What does that mean? You don't have to do anything to get this love from me. I don't love you just because I'm your mommy or your daddy. I love you because Jesus loved me. I, it's unconditional. You mess up, I still love you. When you got an A or when you get an F, I still love you. We're going to work on that F, though. We're going we're gonna to fix that. But uh, whatever, it's unconditional. My wife shared earlier the story of the prodigal son, and we're going to, that parable of the prodigal son, and how it was unconditional. The, the father had inheritance for both of his sons. The one son says, give me mine now. And he went and blew it on prostitutes and hanging out and whatever else he was doing, just cutting up. When he got broke, he smelled himself and looked in the mirror and said, man, I done messed up. How am I going to go back to my daddy? And his father never, ever judged him. Soon as his, so he decided he was going to go home. And on his way home, his father saw him from a distance and immediately said, let's prepare a feast for him. Give me the fattest cow we got. I want the best ox or bull that we have. We're going to celebrate the return of my son. The son thought that he was going to be in trouble for wasting all of that inheritance. But no, when he came, his father embraced him, put on a robe for him, loved him and said, I love you, son. I don't matter. It doesn't matter what you did with the money. It don't matter what you did with the inheritance. The good news is I'm still alive and I got some more. I'll just restock that. I love you with all of your problems. Sam, tell him I love you. No, <laughs> really? <laughs> but that's okay. It was unconditional. Even though he messed up, and that's the way we have to treat our children. Unconditional love. So it's unwavering prayer, unending patience, and unconditional love. This is how we achieve all of these things, the goals that we set for our family, the foundational points, and even uh, involving our community and how we raise our kids. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.